All right. Welcome to episode one of the Homeschooled Podcast. I am Taylor Janice, the youngest of the three Janice brothers. And I'm joined with my two older brothers, Spencer and Damon. Uh, guys, this is episode one. How are you feeling? I'm feeling strong, ready to rip it. Can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited to get into it. I'll be ripping more than a few things throughout this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited, guys. Like um, We were talking about starting a podcast together. And, you know, the goal here is really we want to connect with each other primarily and have fun. And if there's anybody that cares to listen to this and get some kind of entertainment from it, then that's great. But uh, just having a, a moment to chat with you guys about life and our shared experiences, I'm just excited for that. So let's um, just provide a little brief background on our family dynamic growing up, who we are, what life was like. Um, feel free to fill in anything that I miss here. But uh, for those that don't know our family well, there's five of us kids. Uh, we grew up Mormon. Uh, our family is also Jewish. And so we observe Jewish holidays and uh, we were all homeschooled. We were all born in Utah, raised in Texas. Uh, our dad was a computer programmer. Mom was, you know, a homemaker um, and really cared about our education and being present with us. And so she homeschooled us. Um, we all tried a little bit of public school, but not a lot. Uh, I think each of us at least did one semester of public school at some point in time. Some of us did a little bit more than that um, very, at various times, whether that was in elementary school or most of us was high school. And, um, you know, our social opportunities came from athletics. You know, we all did swim team, um, basketball, and then really church was probably the main thing. 100%. Even Boy Scouts. Yeah, yeah, Boy Scouts. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, what what am I missing here that would be helpful context for people to know about us and our background? I think one thing is that we all really thought that we were super super normal um, up until we came of age. <laughs> that was a big a big factor in my childhood experience. Was hitting hitting that age where being cool got important and realizing that my background was like not nearly as normal as I thought that it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was those early teenage years kind of transitioning and realizing that like doing a, a slick, a, a slick comb over and, you know, wearing baggy shorts and tucking your shirt in things like that, like didn't really cut it with, with your peers who had gone to school the whole time. Um, and already had a sense of what was cool and, and what was what was in fashion and trending and things like that. Uh, it, it was it was kind of shocking to enter that like early teenage years and and realize how how differently we'd been raised than our peers. And then or, I have a really up. good example here because um, I I remember when I was around thirteen or fourteen years old, I was trying to understand what was sex, um, and not because I had any context as to what sex was. 
because we were extremely sheltered. It was because um, the song Sexy Back had come out. And I'm like, what does sexy mean? And so I literally tried to look it up in the dictionary. This is, you know, dictionary days, not internet days. And uh, Damon found out that that's what I was trying to find out. And he took the dictionary from me and ripped the page out that that had the definition of sex and sexy. <laughs> Damon was super on board to, to keep keep my head in the sand. <laughs> I was Calling probably you out right, right away, David. Enforcing it. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, I'm curious what what like the moment was for you guys when you realized, uh, oh shit, I am not the same as my peers. Like, maybe I'm a little bit different because uh, I'm homeschooled. I remember going to a little get together with all my friends, and um, I guess. Prior to that, I went shopping. I went to American Eagle to get some cool clothes because that, that was the first time that I'd ever like decided, hey, I, I need to wear cool clothes. I, I look like a homeschooler, um, and I need to not. <laughs> and so how old were you at, at this time? Sorry, come again. How old, how old were you? I must have been 14 at the time. Maybe, maybe 13, but I, I think it was more 14. Um, so I went, I went over there, um, and I was wearing all my cool clothes, but I, I wore them wrong. So I was wearing a a polo from American Eagle and I was wearing some cool cargo shorts and, um, I was wearing an undershirt. And for some reason, this is such a homeschooler thought. I'm like, you know how I could spice this up is if I pulled my undershirt sleeves out a little further than the polo sleeves. (laughs) <laughs> and I really thought it was so cool, but my my peers let me know pretty quickly that that was not the case, and that it looked pretty weird. Um, I still have some trauma over that. Like I can't have any part of my undershirt be showing when I'm wearing normal clothes. It's it stuck with me. That was the first like real experience. Like man, I I don't get it the way that these people do. How did they just know that that was weird? I thought it was cool. So, so embarrassingly, I, mine, mine was probably around the same time as you. So I was like 16 at the time. Um, and, and that, that American Eagle polo was transformative for me as well as for you, because, um, your whole social outlook completely changed as soon as you put on that, that shirt with the little American Eagle logo. Um, and I saw that and I was shocked. It like opened my eyes that maybe there was more outside of this world that I had fabricated for myself that like. Mm -hmm. I was cool. I was normal. All the style choices that I made were good and correct and and right. Um, And that maybe other people were making different style choices and having different outcomes socially. And so I kind of took a look at my wardrobe, which I'd had when I was a freshman. And and I guess I hadn't been going to high school, but like I was kind of freshman age the year prior. And I'd been wearing long sleeve shirts, like cotton long sleeve shirts, and I'd rolled them up halfway. So they were kind of like halfway rolled and, and I thought that was awesome. And I was, I was tucking those shirts into my jeans as well, which I also nice. thought was cool. And so when you say rolling, you're tell, you're saying like actually like rolling or were you like rolling up the sleeves of, of like a cotton long sleeve shirt and not like a dress, not a dress shirt, but just like a regular long sleeve t-shirt type of thing. I, I would roll up the sleeves halfway, <laughs> halfway up my arms. I'm curious, because there's a distinction here. You were rolling or pulling the sleeves? 
I, I think it was mostly rolling in, in really tight rolls, so very small tight roll. <laughs> oh, that and is I, cool. I rolled about halfway, and then I then I'd pull the shirt up just a little bit more. <laughs> so and then and then again, tucking this this cotton t-shirt into my jeans, and that was that was kind of my daily wardrobe. Spicing it up by by changing the the cotton t-shirt that I was wearing every day. Um, so the new so Mormon after the swag from EFY. What's that? New Mormon swag from EFY. Exactly, except no one else at EFY was doing it. It was just me. <laughs> so so after after you bought some American Eagle shirts and some Hollister shirts, I decided that I needed to get on on this train. So <laughs> so I stole one of your Hollister shirts. And started wearing that to school every day because as, as a sophomore and I think as a junior, I started going to school a little bit. And I remember that completely changing my social outlook, just wearing like a regular short sleeve Hollister shirt and not tucking it in. And all of a sudden, everything was far different. Did people treat you differently? Do you feel like you, you were more successful finding and establishing friendships? Oh, Absolutely. But before that, nobody would talk to me or pay attention to me. After that, girls would pay attention to me. Uh, I, I had friends. I had people that would like, I don't know, I would hang out with. It was it was night and day different. Man, Man regular kids are so shallow. <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky because I got the benefit of you guys being older and going through those, you know, social changes and dynamics before my peers were really going through that. So I don't, I don't feel like I have a distinct memory of, of feeling like I didn't fit in or like my style was like outdated or like I was so obviously different from my peers because I was just seeing what you guys were doing. You, you were probably doing your best to kind of protect me from what you had gone through. And so you were probably, hey, Taylor, you should wear this or like dress like this or do your hair like this. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm glad but, at least one of us was spared. That makes me feel successful. <laughs> it wasn't I, all in vain. I, just, I, I have to take all the credit, though. I inspired you, Damon. I inspired you, Taylor. <laughs> if it wasn't for me. Maybe we all would have been really, really weird homeschoolers. You guys never would have graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Would still be uh, tucking our shirts in and rolling our long sleeves up in tight rolls. <laughs> and wondering, why don't girls like me? Man. <laughs> I'm doing everything. <laughs> I just I, I just hate to think about what would have happened if it, if it had kept going. Like, what else I would have drummed up and thought was cool that I then would have passed on to you guys and perpetuated. And it could have been a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that that's a, a, a good point, right? We were homeschooled, and that is probably one of the main advantages of homeschooling is it causes children raised that way to think out, outside the box. You're not thinking, okay, what do people think is cool, and then try to back into it. Instead, your attitude is, I can come up with something totally different. Now, unfortunately, we are not like designers we're not design-minded individuals and so <laughs> our ideas were bad but it is a good like I actually think it's a good thing that we that we tried to do that marching to the beat of our own style drum even though it wasn't successful and we ended up having to conform later um and therein lies the trauma is 
realizing <laughs> you can't just do everything your own way. There is there are norms and expectations that you have to conform to. Otherwise, um, at least in high school age, you're going to be ostracized really quickly. And, you know, social dynamics are changing. I think this is this is more specific to when we grew up, which for me, I was 2006 to 2010 was my graduating class. Um, and at least back then, it didn't seem like there was much of a place for people who just were kind of odd like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that um, everybody kind of experiences this well, like the normal uh, growing, up, growing up experience, you're very conscious of your peers, very self-conscious of yourself. Uh, and at a certain point, everybody kind of grows up. And I don't know if that's like in college or after college and you get into the real world and then it's like you're given permission to be more yourself, you know, put your own spin on things, have your own style, have your own voice. We had that in homeschool until we realized we were very, very different. And that happens kind of in that high school range, but all of our peers had already been experiencing that. And then it's weird for us because now all of a sudden we get out into the world and now everybody else like has their own voice and they can be, you know, quote unquote weird. And then we're like, Oh, like we can go back to that. But I do think there's an advantage that we had that before we're very willing to be different and like think differently and kind of go against the grain. And it's great now that our peers all, you know, feel similarly, like we've got more of that social permission to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I feel like that's something that's helped us um, in our careers specifically. I, I think being able to think outside the box and not, <clears throat> not feel pressure to, conform to social no social norms of like what a career should be or a job should be and, and kind of like um taking a static path i think we've we've all kind of taken uh non-traditional routes in our careers that have ended up being beneficial and kind of come at things from from different angles um and, and been successful with it and and i think i i i don't know that any of us have like been too worried about going down non-traditional routes because we are so comfortable being being different, being outside of the mainstream. Um, and I think that is one of the positive impacts that homeschooling had on us. I like to make fun of myself for being a homeschooler. I like to make fun of other homeschoolers in general. But I also will always maintain that I think it's a superpower, the, the ability to just be weird um, and not normal and not conform and think outside the box. It's I totally agree with you. It's it's a huge advantage to me personally in my life. I'm kind of curious though, is there a way to do that with, you know, for children without them being homeschooled without cuz the trauma that we talked about earlier of of recognizing, "Oh my gosh, I'm not normal. I'm I'm really weird." That was that was highly traumatic for me to the point where I almost studied human nature and forced myself to become normal enough, um, which was very hard. And I'm not sure that everyone can do that. We did it. Um, everyone, all of all of us siblings did it. Um, but I, I saw a lot of homeschoolers not do that. Um, just the trauma, no appropriate response to it. Well, and can I just take a second here and call out um, homeschool co-ops and conferences and... <laughs> 
uh, Shakespeare plays and, and <laughs> weird things that homeschoolers do in groups. Um, <laughs> I think one, one thing that I've seen a lot of a lot of moms who advocate for homeschooling, they, they kind of they, they, they look at like homeschooling co-ops and in collaborations and things like that as a way to socialize their kids. And it's kind of a replacement for like the social structure of school. Um, and I, I just want to, to say like unequivocally, like that was not one of the, the things that we listed in our intro is like things that we had as a social outlet, even though we did a lot of them. Um, that was not a significant impact on our social development. If anything, that was one of the things that made us realize like, oh man, like we're a little bit different. We're a little bit weird, but like these kids are really weird. Like we, we did not like the homeschooling co-ops and, and the groups. The kids were weird and, and they, they, they were just, it, it was such an age range that it was hard to find like your group of kids that was like exactly your age. Um, and so it was just kind of a, a smorgasbord of like a bunch of, weird homeschool kids smashed together and forced to interact for a while. And it was, it was mostly a disaster. I think, I think a big reason for that is there isn't, there aren't a lot of homeschoolers. And so it created this broad um, range, like area radius of where everybody lived. It was a huge surface area. It's like all of Houston. And there were only like 150 kids that would get together. And to your point, the age range was three years old through 18 years old. So you've got your five really weird people your age. We didn't resonate or connect with any of them. I don't recall having any friends from a homeschool co-op. We had we had a couple that ended up being in our in our church, um, and so we were we were friends with them. But if they were outside of our like really small home radius, you know, three square miles or something, we weren't gonna hang out with them outside of that. And so we never, and we never did. We, we really never connected with anyone at those things. Um, and yeah, in, in my opinion, I think it was a regression witnessing <laughs> that being around it, letting them influence us to be like that wasn't a good thing for us. It just made us weirder. You need to, <laughs> I think that homeschooled kids, if you are going to be a homeschooled kid, we got lucky because church exposed us to all the school kids. So we did see what normal was supposed to look like, but we were on the outside looking in at that. For sure. And and I, I think that you're, you're, you're right. Like that is where we got most of our social interaction was like our very high intensity uh, religious upbringing um, in, in the Mormon church. We like, we, we were at church activities and functions multiple times a week um, for multiple hours in most functions, um, interacting with kids our age. And, and we had such a robust uh, youth group. And like, as, as we went through, like the, the kids that were our age, there, there was just such an enormous number of them that lived in, in the suburbs of Houston, right in that area, that we, we ended up having like a pretty decent uh, spread of social exposure. And I think that's that's kind of what tuned us into like normal behavior, what allowed us to like practice and refine and, and get a little bit better and more socialized was that kind of high frequency, high intensity, uh, re- religious exposure. So I think that's, that's one thing, like for anyone who's considering homeschooling, like you've, you've got to figure out how to socialize your kids. And if it's not through like a ton of religious activities, you, you've got to figure something out. Cause that's like the number one thing, um, that I think saved us a little bit was like having so much, so, so many kids our age and having such high contact with them. 
And I think it's important to note that the ones that had the greatest impact on us in a positive way were the ones that were school kids. Other homeschoolers were a detriment. <laughs> you can't just put your kids in front of a bunch of other homeschool kids and hope that that's socializing them. It doesn't. <laughs> yep. hundred <laughs> percent agree. It's kind of like, you know, we, ha we had a lot of siblings. So there are five of us siblings. I have a feeling that mom thought that like the five of us would help socialize each other. But really what ends up happening is you just live in a bubble. We all just, you know, one of us is, Damon was always the coolest. So would always try to be <laughs> just like Damon. Um, but Damon, uh, you were homeschooled and didn't have a lot of exposure to other people. So <laughs> hate to say it, but <laughs> you were kind of weird and, and we were following your weird mm -hmm. example. <laughs> but I mean, yes. that, that's what happens, right? So we were yeah. living in a bubble. Same thing happened at the homeschool co-ops. There were a few kids that were kind of like cool or they had charisma enough to like gain a following of the other homeschool kids. And so we all led, you know, they led us to their example of their weirdnesses. And it just wasn't how the world actually operated. And so it was, it was really tough. I mean, I'm glad this is our first subject because I have a lot of thoughts about this been thinking about it my whole life it's you know it's been it's been a ride uh it's been an adventure getting getting through it getting out of it finding what's on the other side and realizing there you know it's left a mark some some ways are good and other ways are not but i think a lot of it is also like we got kind of lucky i'm i'm very interested to know what listeners experiences uh listening to this is going to be like i think People who haven't been homeschooled listening to this podcast are going to be maybe a little bit surprised with just like how um, how aware we were of being different and how badly we didn't want to be different. I think that's going to surprise some people. And I'm also very curious, other homeschoolers uh, who went through similar experiences as us as far as being homeschooled for a long amount of time, if they share our same um, trauma with the being different. And if, if they, you know, how unique are we in, in our shared experience and, um, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, like, I just want to be so, I want to be like my peers so bad. I, I'm just curious what other homeschoolers would, uh, would say to that, how unique we are in that. I'm also curious if any of the homeschoolers that we knew in those homeschool co-ops, if any of them are, are going to listen to this, I'd be very curious to hear, you know, what was their experience of, of us? Did they think that we were trying too hard? Did they think we were, we were the weird ones for trying to not act like a homeschooler? Um, you know, or here's the other thing. I, I just haven't really followed up with, with any of them. I don't, I don't know any, anyone that I grew up with in those homeschool co-ops anymore. And so I'm curious, what are they doing with their lives at this point? Do they feel like homeschool is good or bad for them? Um, you know, did they, did they even care about being normal? Do, do they find themselves like being weird, but as an adult, that being a, a superpower for them and maybe without all the trauma that we had experienced, maybe that would have been very positive as an adult, right? If we just hadn't had that, that weirdness trauma, would we have really leaned into this, like think outside the box, mark, you know, march to the beat of your own drum attitude and, and do even better at it. it it's actually kind of hard to tell. 
So I'd, I'd be very curious if any, if anyone was part of our homeschool co-ops, reach out. And in the meantime, it sounds like we all need a little bit of therapy. So <laughs> we're gonna... <laughs> this, this is our therapy. We should have, we should have prefaced the episode by saying, look, it's been a while since we talked about these things. We don't know what's going to come out and this is what's coming out, but this is great. I, I love this. And, you know, we share a lot of, um, similarities. There's, there's actually, when I think about it, very few things that, um, make us different from each other. Like, so going back in time, you know, obviously we were homeschooled. Um, we all did swim team. We all tried basketball. Uh, we're all black belts in Taekwondo. Um, we all did the scouting program. We are all Eagle Scouts. All of us are married. Each of us uh, served some or all of our, a two-year Mormon mission. Um, all of us have uh, kids. <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's so much that we share that's... Uh, I, I just think that that's kind of fascinating. Like how many people in this world can say that other people share that many things in common. It's, it's pretty wild when you think about it. Um, and, you know, I think that makes us closer than a lot of people um, just because of how many shared experiences we have. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the other things that, that I'm curious about our listeners uh, listening to this is whether or not they're going to be confused when the voices transition. I think another thing that we have in common is <laughs> a similar style of speaking. We, we have similar laughs. I, I I wonder, like listening to the audio track on this podcast, if it's going to be clear who's saying what at what time or if it's just a transition from one Janus brother to another. And maybe it's like the Jonas Brothers. It actually doesn't matter who's doing the singing because it just sounds good. And, and you know, they can switch back and forth and you just you listen to it anyway. That is so funny. I will be honest. I have a feeling look, listening to the audio track of this, I, I might have a hard time differentiating who's talking or laughing. I know we all share the same laugh. That's, uh, that's a tough one. But even, even voices, you're so right. Our wives have a hard time distinguishing our voices too. So I'm going to change the topic just a little bit and uh, go with something that I don't know if your wives have picked up on. It's kind of a, a popular trend right now to for wives to be asking their husbands, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Have you guys been asked this question? <laughs> I have. So McCall asked me this um, a couple of days ago, just out of the blue. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? And it, it immediately <laughs> smelled like an Instagram, like ask your husband sort of a thing, because there's yeah. no way that McCall would ever be thinking about the Roman Empire and asking me about the frequency that I think about it. Um, <laughs> she threw off but... the wall. Did she have her camera out and everything? Get through the <laughs> she, she, she knows better than to put me on the spot because I was homeschooled and I get really good responses when, when she does that. It's not something terrible on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think my answer was weekly. And I think that's, I think that's a true statement. I think, I, I think about the Roman Empire at least weekly. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I have not I have not heard of this trend, so this is just my candid response to it. I I don't think I think about the Roman Empire too frequently, but there are a couple of things that come to mind that actually maybe it does cause it to be relatively frequently. 
the first one, and it's a great, uh, it's great for this current subject because you know the phrase all you know when in Rome do as the Romans do. I think about that pretty frequently, um, just because I was a weird homeschool guy and I need to fit in. <laughs> so that, that phrase, like, it's always bouncing around in my head when I'm meeting new people, <laughs> when I'm in a new city, I'm in a new place. I'm like, I'm subconsciously studying it, studying the people and trying to figure out how, how are the people around here? When you're in San Francisco, you can be anyone you want because San Francisco is kind of like a hodgepodge of a lot of weird people. Um, but if I were to travel to Italy, I, I don't want to look like that, an American in Italy. I'm going to try my best to, to know at least part of the language. Um, I'm going to dress like them. I'm going to go to the places Italians go to, not the places American tourists go to. And then the other thing is um, I, I try to eat a beet almost every single day. And the reason for that is because I heard that Roman soldiers would eat beets before battle and they would eat beets before having sex. And that was enough for me. I want to be a badass. I want to be able to, you know, be strong. And I also like sex. Um, and I like it when sex is better. And if, if a beet can enhance that, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> and every time I eat that beet, I'm thinking about the Roman soldiers. So, yeah, maybe, maybe daily. <laughs> I, think, I guess I do. <laughs> but it's not the Roman Empire. It's very specific. But Romans, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I told Bailey, I, I I probably think about the Roman Empire on a weekly basis. It's just like the apex of like power. If you think about in history, it's like nobody did it better. And I think there's just something in men that just like we're thinking about, you know, I don't want to say power because it's not like that specific, but we're we're attracted to the the strength that they were able to create in history and, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's one takeaway from this. It's that, you know, the Roman Empire grew as big as they did because their soldiers were eating beets every day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you should probably do the same. It's the Roman soldiers, right? These are the guys that made the Roman Empire happen. Without them and their beets, not, you know, we would have no inspiration to draw from here. <laughs> <laughs> just be a weak history book if you want to think about the romans daily if you need to increase your goal of daily roman consumption then eat a beet <laughs> daily and i guarantee after listening to this podcast you will eat beets and think about the roman empire on the daily so if your wife asks you you can honestly say i think about the roman empire every day <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I think that's a wrap. We don't want these episodes to go too long. Um, I think this was a great first episode. I'm really interested to get the feedback from the listeners. Um, but uh, just as our main goal, this was just so fun to talk with you guys, connect with you guys. Really excited to be doing this every week with you. Uh, so looking forward to the next one. Likewise. What are we talking about next time? We we are going to well we got a couple options so maybe we can drop a little cliffhanger here you know obviously we've been talking about our Mormon upbringing uh, there's some content that we can break down about that kind of our journey our path are we still Mormon what does that look like find out next week 
<laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. It was a pleasure. See you later, my fellas. See ya. Bye.